Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the internet's number one success podcast, Into the Mind, where we break down, analyze the characteristics, skills, strategies, and systems of successful entrepreneurs so that together we can learn from their experiences, be inspired by their stories, and replicate their formulas for success. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, former parkour athlete turned entrepreneur, and I am on a mission to help 7.8 billion people achieve success personally, professionally, and financially by empowering their minds and connecting them to the right people. Today, my guest is a new friend who I'm looking forward to getting to know his story. I recently met him at a local meetup here in Arizona, and at that event, he went up to the front and he shared a little bit about his story and about his company and what they were doing, and it blew me away. Right now, he's the founder of a company called I Believe in You, and this company is currently quantifying and capturing and spreading the power of positivity in a way that you can't believe. So my guest, he's got radiant energy. I mean, when you're in the room with him you can tell that he cares about people and he's got a work ethic like nobody else i'm going to be diving into his story today to learn a bit about his past and also understand what plans he has for the future and make sure you stick through all the way till the end of the episode so that you can learn how you can get connected and meet folks like this locally at our next event but without further ado help me in welcoming my guest braxton kilgo yo braxton what's going on bro how you feeling today I'm good, man. I'm good. I got a workout in this morning and I've been in meetings back to back until I was late for this one. So, <laughs> Dude, that's the life of like an entrepreneur. It's just, we take it as it comes, but I love that you got your workout and you're taking care of your body. You are in crazy good shape. And I want to dive into your, your background, man. Cause I listened to, I was telling you before the show, I listened to a couple of podcast episodes with you and you have a crazy strong work ethic, work ethic, and you care about people like no other. So take me back. You were, you were brought up in a small town in Texas and you're now living out in Arizona. So what was it like back home where you grew up? Yeah, man. I mean, to be honest, where I grew up was, was amazing. You know, I always, I always tell people that it was like, more cows than people give you a, a good uh, representation of about what it looked like. Um, I actually drove, you know, about 30 minutes to go to school. My parents were divorced whenever I was like one. So my dad lived about 20, 30 minutes outside of town, one direction um, in the small town that I talk about. And then even the town that I drove to to go to school, um, that was a pretty small town as well, but it was bigger than the one I was in. Um, the school in the town where I actually lived, there was, you know, five to 10 people per grade. So really, really small. Uh, and I wanted to play football. So I drove to the, to the school where they didn't care about anything except for football. So, um, <laughs> but dude, it was a great place. A lot of great people. Um, I've been to a lot of places in the world. And one of my favorite things about being from Texas and especially a small town in Texas is like, most people are good. You know, people open the door, people shake hands, people are respectable. You know, you tell them that you're going to do a job and that's what you do. And uh, a lot of people there work really, really hard. So, uh, dude, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, you get bored a lot, so you also get pretty creative. So I like that. I think that helps, you know, with who I am now for being able to see that. Yeah, man. And, you know, it comes off with you. That's one of the things that I noticed, you know, the first time I met you, your energy was just radiant. And again, you care about people and people can feel that. And it's cool because when I found out you came from a small town, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, this is the type of guy that he gets to know people. You look someone in the eyes and you say, hey, how's it going? And you actually want to know the answer. You actually care. 
And so you transitioned later, you came and like, you're now living in Arizona, which is a massive change, right? Like there's definitely more people than cows here. And, yeah. you know, what inspired you to, to leave the place that you grew up in that was, you know, a place that you loved, what inspired you to step out into a bigger city, into a bigger ocean? Yeah. So, I mean, I came to a couple of places before I came here in Arizona. Um, you know, I worked in the oil field for a little while. I dropped out of college twice. So I've kind of bounced around a little bit. I discovered I was a little bit younger, but uh, man, I knew from a really young age, I loved where I grew up, uh, but I knew that's not where I always wanted to be. You know, I would, I would, for one, you know, where I grew up was really similar to the movie Friday Night Lights. Um, the, the school that that movie's made about is, played them you know so it's it's very very similar um you know and a lot of times the way out of our town you know there's college and different things and it's a lot different like now than it was back then it was still transitioning then but um i was not wanted out i wanted to do something more i wanted to see the earth I wanted to experience other people and different things i would like watch movies and whenever i was younger i would ask my family like those are like just normal people too i'm like yeah and i'm like for some reason i was always just like drawn to other things don't get me wrong i love building fences and working on the farm building houses and doing things like that and i, I honestly sometimes you know would love to take a couple of days off from what i do now to just like go do that you turn on the music and you you just work and the, there's something really great about that but um honestly man i just i always knew i wanted to do something different i always felt different um i always dressed different and uh, I was always trying to find a way to be different and then be distant. Uh, to get the short version, I was going to play football and you know, I'm getting hurt, but I got down to like there was two offers left that was going to pay for my school. And my deciding factor was which one's further away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it wasn't that I wanted to get away from my family or anything like that because it was amazing where I was from, but I, I wanted change. I wanted to experience something that was not where I was. Um, so that was really just always like this hunger to like, go see the things that I believe are real and that are out there. And I just, I wanted to go experience more uh, because most of my family hadn't, you know, they hadn't been very far from our home or had only been to a few places in the world. And uh, I just wanted to experience it. I just felt like that was something that always drew me out. Yeah. And Braxton, let me ask you this, right? Was it scary when you were making that decision, when you looked at the scholarships and for college and one was further away, one was a few miles away, one was, I think, what, like 600 miles away. And, yeah. you know, when you made that decision that you were going to go out and see the world, although you were excited, was there any fear or apprehension or was it just, you know, all guns, let's go, let's make it happen? Honestly, man, I was pretty excited. Um you know, and like you said, it was maybe like 600 something miles. It was, I don't know, it might've been like seven hours, something like that. So that's still not even like that crazy. Like if I wanted to, I could get my truck and be home. So I wasn't too worried about it. I was honestly just excited to have like finally got to that part of like, now I'm getting the change that I want, you know? Yep. And so, you know, that's something too, right? You, you went away for the football scholarship. And that was a big part of your life, right? Like that was like one of the the main things you were an athlete. Um, and I remembered, I listened to one of the other podcasts where you spoke about ultimately what ended the the football career was an injury. And when that happened, there was a, an identity shift that occurred. You know, can you talk about that a little bit? Because that's something I think a lot of people, they go through and they don't understand how to reinvent and recreate after losing such a major piece of their identity. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do, man. And, uh, 
you know, for me, I didn't really have plan B's. I didn't really want anything else. I was just like straight dead determined, like that's what I'm doing, no matter what it takes. And, uh, you know, I would be leaving practice and limping off the field every single day. And I had this uh, strength and conditioning coach who was a woman uh, at our at our school. And she pretty much hated everybody, but she really liked me. And I liked her too. And uh, she just told me one day, she's like, Braxton, to be honest, I just, I think you're made for something else. She's like, I imagine you want to be able to run around with your kids one day. And she's like, you're an athlete. You can do other things too. She's like, but you've got a couple of years to be here and then more and more. And she's like, you're, you know, I think I was, I might've been 19 by then. She's like, you're limping off the field every single day. And I was struggling to like get back to where I was even my senior year of high school when I transitioned to college. And so unfortunately, like logically at first, I didn't want to accept it, but as I was processing everything, it made sense. But I think that was the scary thing is I was like, well, what the hell else would I do? I don't know anything else because I didn't ever want anything else. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was tough, right? And, and I, but I think it was so good for me. You know, sometimes like that, that pain and like full, like back against the wall. I wouldn't say I was at rock bottom, but as far as like, I've been building all these things for this sport. Well, now I'm going to start somewhere else. Luckily, a lot of those blocks still plugged into the things that I found, which is great. Um, but yeah, man, shifting your identity is, is a big thing, but I think that it's, it's super important. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably something everybody's going to experience in their life, regardless of whatever plan that you have. So I think it's all about building those, whatever you're working towards, it's building those core blocks that apply in other places too. you know, being able to bring that with you. I like that, right? When Because what you just said, how you were able to take, there were skills and characteristics that were transferable. So although it's no longer football, there's aspects of your life that moved with you into the next chapter. I am curious though, when you were in the middle of going through that transition, what were some of the things that helped you from that place? Because again, like being in the middle of it now in hindsight, I'm sure it's easy to look back and say, you know, you, you make the transition, you put your big boy pants on and you, you know, step to the left. But during that time, were you having mentors that you spoke to? Were you reading books? Was it like a epiphany moment? Like what actually was that turning switch? Was that conversation with your, with um, the, the sports doctor? So honestly, man, I, you know, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have, I, was, I didn't really read books. Um, for me, man, it really came back to just like the core value of things and asking myself, like, what do I want? What do I want? And, you know, something I was always passionate about for a long time. And I, the first company I started was based solely on this. So I really grabbed onto it, but was telling people to do something that actually made them happy. I wasn't just trying to play sports because it made me, was going to make me money or because I was good at it. And because people praised me for doing it, it was a game that I loved. I loved it. I loved doing it. That's why I was chasing it. And the fact that it could let me travel, get out of where I was from, make a lot of money, like it just made sense for me. So for me, I, I mean, I will say I've watched every motivational video on YouTube at least a hundred times each. That was like the only mentor I had for a really long time. And there's good ones and bad ones, but I've listened to all of them. But in the midst of all that, man, it was really about me just going straight back to the thing is like, okay, well, what, what makes me happy? What am I good at? And just kind of going back to the drawing board. And I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason. That's easier, you know, said than done. But I just kind of stepped back. I was like, all right, well, I know like my internal story is like, who is Braxton without football? And 
off the jump at that point you're like I don't know I don't know who I am without football but then as I really just like looked in the mirror and like self-assess it was like yes these people like that I'm good at football and things but they like who I am you know there's things like the announcers and things that said like when my football career ended and different things I'm like people like me for other things besides that and the reason I'm good at football is because I'm good at these other things besides that and I started to kind of like stack those blocks and then I just looked at like where those fit and for me um it was designing clothes I like designing clothes because I like to look different than people from where I was from I like to inspire people to chase their vision ironically enough that's what I ended up calling my clothing company so I decided to make clothes it was in alignment with a purpose so that I was always very purpose-driven I was in the fitness space now because I just worked out like a monster every single day of my life and I was not going to stop doing that and so just naturally that fit that kind of in the fitness space. And that was when, you know, social media was finally becoming a thing. And I saw that opportunity. And so I kind of just like put the pieces together. I was like, I'm going to make t-shirts that have a mission that are my style that I like because I like to create them. And um, put it in a space where I know a bunch of people and do a lot of things that I'm good at still because I was still doing that. And so I hope that answered the question, but I, I kind of just went, like I said, back to the drawing board and started to look at like, I know initially the story was, I don't know who I am without this thing. And I just had to go kind of rewrite that of like, there's so much more because I was great at something, but those, there's a lot of those blocks, you know, pretty much other than me trucking somebody and knowing how to hold on to something tight, <laughs> a lot of the same principles that go into the other things, you know? Dude, I, I love that. And I love what you mentioned where you realize, wait a second, people like me for other reasons besides just being good at this one particular thing. And sometimes people have a hard time separating their identity from their role. And it sounds like you were able to do that. You were able to separate Braxton, the football player, from Braxton, the individual, and recognize that the individual, Braxton, that person, carried value with you. And you started, so was Vision, the, the clothing company, was that your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Was that the first business you started? Yes, sir. Yeah, I had, a, and I think I started this after anyway. I did like remodel a, an old trailer that we used to haul hay with. And turned it into something called Flatbed Fitness. And oh. yeah, I had like bench press, squat racks, like a salmon ladder, like a rope climb, like the thing that Mark Wahlberg does, like off the side of the wall on painting game. And I had like all these things built onto it. And, uh, you know, I made business cards and stuff. And we, I would like drive into parks and different things and like train people. But I, I think that was more I built it for myself and then just <laughs> made it make money because <laughs> I wanted to have a gym with me everywhere. So the first like real endeavor, yeah, was the clothing company. Nice. So how, what was that first endeavor like as an entrepreneur, like stepping out and starting to make clothes and starting to go out like and sell it? Like what, what was that journey like? Because I think in the beginning, you know, we, we get this idea, we're like, oh, cool. Like we can do this. We're going to build it. It's going to be super easy. And then you start finding out the work that's involved, or maybe you already knew what work was going to be involved, but how was that first journey into entrepreneurship? Yeah, man. I mean, I had no experience, um, didn't really have any mentors, anybody to like tell me what to expect, which I also think was kind of good because I was just like, I, I, I've always had a massive level of like self-belief and confidence. And again, sports and things, I believe played a big role in that. And so for me, like I said, when I was little, I would see the people in the movies, I'm like, I can do that. I would see NFL player do something. I'm like, I could probably truck him. You know, I just always had this... <laughs> 
which is great. You know, I had this massive conviction of, of my ability and my family and people around me and again, sports played a big role in building that. So for me, I think I just, just decided like, okay, well, I have to do something else. Obviously in sports, I was like, I want to be the best. So in whatever I was starting, I'm like looking at who's the best. Like what, what is that North star? And is it past the person who's at the top right now? What does it look like? And I've always had, and maybe I haven't always had it. I don't know, but I definitely have this gift now because I help a lot of other people do this. It's like take that North star or wherever it is you're wanting to go and be able to like reverse engineer it all the way back down to the really granular things of like really looking at again like who's who's at the very top right now it's like what do they have I like just assessing all the information to get to like what do i need to do now and i just went for it man there's a lot of, you do the wrong stuff you learn stuff you try stuff but for me it was just about like taking it one step at a time just trying stuff and like i wasn't really worried about failing or anything like that i was just wanting to do it and it was my thing and so i wasn't really worried about what anybody else thought you know I checked out of college twice and people would ask my family they're like what is he doing and I'm like yeah yeah he, uh, he saw t-shirts going t-shirts and I'm like just watch just <laughs> you'll get it later I know you don't understand that like you'll get it I love that and so one I want to highlight something because this is really important because you mentioned it twice and I think it's a really big point you said that you had this ability where you would look at people or just like this natural inclination you would see someone doing something and the story would never be, oh, man, they're doing it. I can't. Instead, the story was, oh, look at basically like, look at what we all can do. Look at what he just did it. So that means I can do it, too. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful factor. A lot of the people that I talk to that have come on and have had a lot of success, you share that in common with them, that there's this part of your mind that when you see something being done, there's a part of you that says, okay, great. I can do that, too. I just need to go figure out how I just need to actually go and begin doing it. So you start going out, you start this company, you're selling shirts, and it started to open you up to a few opportunities, right? Like, what were some of the opportunities that that started to really bring into your life? Because that was the start. Yeah. Let me comment on one thing that you said really quick. One yeah. of the things with that, I think, is like having really high intention, but low attachment. And what I mean by that is like, I would like, look at these things, like to be an NFL athlete, when you're and you want to do that from year 12 or 15 years old that is like years of work so I think my first goal being something that I already knew was going to take like literally being hit in the face and having thousands of people coming back like I knew that's what it would take so I think like when I look at this I was like okay like my my expectation of the time horizon was not short so I think that that gave me an advantage. My time horizon expectation was not short. It was like, however long it takes, it's fine. But then having that high level of conviction that like everything happens for a reason so that I had this like high level of intention and trust. So like, even if it right turns me right before I get it, that it's supposed to, which I already had that happen to me once as well, but the yeah. sports and turn me somewhere else. So just having a trust that like everything happens for a reason, but just trying to be the best at whatever it is in the process and not having all these expectations and like thinking that the time horizon is going to be so short. I think that's where a lot of people lose. You know, what? and we're going to, we're going to hang out here if you're, if you're cool with this, because you, yeah. I don't know if you know, you just said like a trigger word to me, like time horizon. It's like very rarely does anyone else in my life come and like use that word with me. And yeah. it's like that phrase you think in a longer time horizon, 
you looked at this, you looked at your sport and it's funny, Braxton, I refer to entrepreneurship as a professional sport, right? And I use the analogy all the time that if a person were to say, I want to get into the NFL or I want to get into the NBA, they would look at that and they would recognize, hey, you know what? The odds of me getting there is very slim. A lot of people want to go there. They don't make it. And the amount of work and effort it would require, it wouldn't be unusual to hear a person saying they're putting in three a days, four days, five a days consistently for years and years and years in order to make that opportunity happen. However, in entrepreneurship, there's this belief that because I understand how it works, because it seems like a simple concept, it doesn't require the same level of effort that it takes for a professional athlete to make it into that space. And many people step into entrepreneurship saying, yeah, like I want to make a million dollar company. Well, okay, great. Making a million dollar company statistically is about the equivalent of an athlete, not just being a you know weekend warrior, but actually making it to the professional leagues. And if you want your company to do over $10 million, I mean, we're talking less than 1% of companies produce that amount of money in revenue. And so when I hear people talk about that, but I don't see the work ethic or even the thought process thinking in those longer time horizons, it worries me a little bit. So I'm happy to hear an entrepreneur like yourself, who is an athlete thinking in those longer time horizons. And my question here is when you were, it sounds like you were thinking in longer time horizons from an earlier age with just the goals that you had, the aspirations within the sports world. When you were thinking like that, did you find that you were one of the few people thinking like that within your circle, within your group of people, or, you know, cause I find that most people almost feel like a bit of an outsider when they're constantly viewing things five, 10, 12 years down the road. And everyone around them is thinking maybe in week long, month long, quarter long time horizons. Yeah. I mean, I had people in my circle that also wanted to, to be in sports, but as it got down, you know, to the wire of that being real, there was a lot less of us. Um, but I didn't really have anybody around me that was trying to do the same thing as me. So, and, and I didn't really know anybody either. So <clears throat> I didn't have a lot to base it off of. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I set the horizon further away, but I was like, there, there was, you know, not impatience, but like there was, you know, a fire under my ass still. Like I was trying to win tomorrow, but I <laughs> open to it taking longer than I'll try to win tomorrow as many times in a row until I land where I need to and I you know I, th I think it's like if you don't quit you don't you don't lose you know and that's where I just like I was willing to do whatever it took and lose as many times as I had to um you know to get there so yeah, I love that. And we call that like aggressive patience. So you had like a lot of aggressive patience where you understood it would take a while, but you're willing to do what needs to be done today. And so that work ethic, it transferred over to from your football, it transferred over into your clothing company and you were hustling. You were, you know, if I remember from one of the other podcast episodes I listened to, I mean, you were like selling these things out of your trunk, selling these things wherever you could, like walking around with them in your bag. And then you even like got to the point where you uh, you picked up another job just to make some extra cash, right? Like uh, I think you were working on an oil field, right? I was a server at a restaurant for a while. And then I was also at the oil field for a while as well. Yeah, working on rigs. Dude, so you were, you were out there hustling. You were doing the thing. And as you were progressing and hustling and growing your, you know, your business, selling these shirts, um, making some extra capital, you got sponsored by Bang for a little while, right? Like, did I hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, how, all right, so you got to tell me, what was that experience like? Because you were with them when they were a relatively new company too, I believe. Yeah, I was like, I, I wasn't the first male employee, but I was one of them. 
Um, they only had like two flavors. Nobody knew what it was. Uh, I didn't know what it was either. When I when they handed it to me, I'd never seen it before. And this was when I was selling t-shirts out of the gym back. I was at a fitness event. It was the first fitness event I've ever been to. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew there was bodybuilding, but I didn't know there was like booths and other things happening. You know, I thought nobody really went to them besides the people competing, you know. And uh, yeah, man. So I, I went to this event. I was selling t-shirts out of a gym bag. I was nervous because you're supposed to buy like a booth, but I do that. I just had a bunch of them in my bag. I was like, meet people. And they were like, by the way, <laughs> I, you know, and uh, honestly, man, I was just walking around and this girl came up to me. She's like, hey, you know, try this drink for us. Like, let us know what you think. I tried it. I liked it. I kept selling t-shirts and I was like, dude, I want another one of those. Like, that was good. And I told my friend, I was like, you think they'll let me buy one? I'll go back trying to buy one. I went back and I tried to buy one and I'm talking to the girl and she's like, no, you can just have it. And then this other lady walked up and she's like, who do you work for? And I'm literally instantly thinking like, looking at my gym bag, I'm like, am I about to be in trouble, dude? <laughs> and I was like, nobody. And she was like, hold on. And she like went to the back of the booth and got like a backpack, a hoodie, a case of bang and gave me her phone number. And she was like, we're looking for athletes to work for our company. And I was like, I just quit playing football. And I was like, powerlifting, bodybuilding, doing gymnastics, doing CrossFit. Like I was doing everything now because I wasn't playing football. So I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. So I was in good shape. And uh, anyway, she gave me all that stuff. And she's like, go home and like post a picture with this and then text me. Literally the next day, my workout took a picture, posted it, texted it to her. And then they sent me a year contract to travel around the US to all their events with them. And uh, shortly after I came on, it's like when they just like blew up. Uh, but dude, there's for, for a long time, <laughs> I had a girlfriend at the time. The events were literally like 25 girls and then like, <laughs> and sometimes one other guy. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was super cool, man. I made so many great relationships. That's how my marketing agency actually got started, which is another story. But, uh, man, I got, you know, first off, I was the only employee athlete that did not have a bunch of followers. I didn't even use my social media really at that point, besides like posting quotes and stuff. And that was really it. And, uh, I, I immediately knew, I was like, man, they're going to see that I don't bring any value and they're going to drop me. And so, I would post really good content. Like I was making sure that my content was where I needed to be and like doing crazy shit that nobody else was able to do, like doing push-ups with like tractor tires on my back and like <laughs> stuff like that. But when we would do these events too, we up that dude would spend like a million dollars at some point, like on a booth just for the weekend. I would carry and stack 20 cases of bang, I'm carrying them in. I would do security for like the big influence they had. They had to do that for them. I was like helping the DJs. I was helping build the booth. I was like underneath the stages. Like I was doing like everything. I was making certain that they were like, we're not getting rid of that guy. And <laughs> sure enough, the first year that I was with the company, uh, which I believe was like in like their first year of being a company, uh, they did like an employee, uh, like a word ceremony. And the first award they gave out was to me. And it was a big glass plaque that said my name on it. I had their logo and said the hardest worker. And so that was, that was pretty cool. And so I stayed with them for a couple of years and met some like, I mean, UFC fighters, models, athletes, influencers, like all kinds of people. And 
ultimately that's how my agency got started because I was helping all these people who were like famous and didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, I can show you. <laughs> wow. So first off, I got chills when you said like you got the award for being the hardest worker because that's something I think a lot of people neglect, you know, and like we hear this saying nowadays where it's like work smarter, not harder. And there's a bit of truth to that, but I think people have thrown the baby out with the bathwater and they've completely thrown out hard work. They've completely thrown out work ethic. And there's still something about hard work and work ethic that doesn't go unnoticed. That when a person steps into the room and their thought process, their intention is to add more value. Like, I love what you said. Like, I want to make myself so damn valuable to these people that they cannot get rid of me. Although I don't necessarily come with the same clout that, you know, some of these other people on the team are coming in with like 50,000 followers, hundred thousand followers. They're like, no, this is the dude that like, they are like, if I'm not around, they're like, man, like, why is stuff not getting done? That is yeah. powerful, man. And yeah. so We're, like, that is like my, I went to a football camp. It was LaDainian Thomason's football camp for like three or four years and like it was like a military camp bro like shirts tucked in bed made like standing like this and every day they would come out it's like a bunch of little freaking seventh and eighth graders and the guy would scream hard work we'd have to scream back pays off and that is like stuck with me for so long and it was like super disciplined and so I just always believe like being the hardest worker like like I'm all about work smarter for sure I do stuff that I could do in easier avenues but that was one of those blocks that I took with me. I was like, I will outwork everybody here or die trying, but you're going to know I was trying, you know? And that's, that's like that that's carried into everything. I was also doing sales for them. Like I had a little discount code because I was an athlete, but I was at the gas station telling the people at the gas station they need to buy them and like use my code. And like, I was like telling people, in the streets and on social media. And I was one of the top salespeople in the company for a period of time. And I was just an athlete. I wasn't even a salesperson, but I was like, they were just like, why is this one athlete's discount code just and he has no followers? Because I was completely telling people too, man. Bro, that's fun, man. And like, you, it sounds like you had the conviction behind it. You were having a good time. So I'm curious, like what eventually caused you to, to separate? Because at some point you separated with Bang and you proceeded to go on and do your own thing. So at what point did you choose to separate? Yeah, so in the contract, actually, before I signed it, it said that you can't work with any other like apparel companies, drink companies, supplement companies, all this stuff. And I talked to the CEO and I told him, I'm like, hey, man, like you guys met me selling t-shirts. Like, this is my thing. And it's not somebody else's. And I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do it if I can't still promote that. And he allowed it. So I was like the only athlete that could actually promote other stuff. Then they ended up letting everybody in the company, they could promote one clothing company that was mine, which is a whole cool story. Whoa. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. We had a booth next to Bang in Phoenix. It was the first time I ever came to Phoenix, but it was sick. But ultimately what started happening, I love Bang. That was like, that was a massive blessing on my life. I got to travel for the first time in my life, meet amazing people and like really open my eyes to a whole different planet. And uh, it was amazing. But at one point in time, um, again, they were hiring women just for being, you know, absolute goddesses. And <laughs> they were doing amazing things, but it started to get a little cringy. They started to get more rules as they were getting bigger and started to be things that just didn't feel like it was in alignment with me. 
and you know I would meet some of the girls they would show up to the event and I'm like you know hey I'm Braxton how are you, you know you'll follow each other and I'm like you know what do you do and they would tell me what they do and then I would look at their pages and I'm like man like I'm over here trying to promote like positivity and kindness and I was like I just don't think it it's not the same vibe and so I just decided it was time to to separate from it so I just I told him I was done with my contract and whatever I had to do for it but that's powerful and let me ask like because you were still what you were like probably in your early 20s at this time right yeah I was like 21 22 all right so you're in your early 20s 21 22 you're able to fly around you're meeting you know athletes professional athletes you're going to the amazing events I imagine that they were paying you pretty well with like between commissions and things of that nature and you chose to let go of it due to it not being in alignment with your core values right like I'm curious when because some people I Braxton I coach entrepreneurs and I have a lot of my clients will come to me and they'll say you know I've got this business partner and you know we're disagreeing with this stuff but you know they bring x to the table like they bring so much x dollars or we got a million dollars in escrow right now together or we're doing this and we're doing that and they're struggling to separate and I look at them and I say, well, you're not in alignment anymore. You are costing yourself. I know you think you're making money right now. You think you're advancing, but you're actually pulling yourself backwards and you just don't realize it yet. So when you were noticing that it was no longer in alignment, not that the company's bad at all, not that the people were bad. It just was no longer in alignment with you and where you wanted to go. Did you have, was there any like internal struggle with creating that separation or was it a pretty clear cut decision? It was pretty clear for me, to be honest. Um, I've always been pretty like set and just like who I am and what's in alignment with me and like been pretty, it's always been pretty easy for me to just like say yes or say no to something. And there's a long list of examples of that, but I've always been pretty like set and clear on, on things like that. But for me, again, I, I knew I was like looking at this long-term thing and when I was looking at this, it's like the horizon is not that far away from where I'm already at. It just, it just didn't make sense. But, you know, I can only speak from, I only have so much success and depends your definition of success. Um, with my definition, I have an incredible amount more than a lot of people who have way more money than me. But I've left a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money on the table to not take total pole success. I'm trying to build like a pyramid and we could go like really deep into this, but uh, you know, picture a totem pole, like you're up at the top, someone pushes it or you fall off, you're going straight to the ground. And, you know, some people will have to burn bridges to get there. Some you just land there, but you took that opportunity, but it's the wind blows and you're gone. I've always just been more interested in building like a pyramid, right? You fall down and you step back up and bring another block kind of thing. And you know, there's a philosophy around, there's a lot of famous people and rich people and all these things that they've like burned bridges and screwed people and stole money and did this, and did that. And they make it all the way to the top. And then they, they got to spend the next five years or 10 years or the rest of their life trying to mend the relationships, fix their self internally, change these perspectives. They live with the guilt, all these things where that's not success. But, but there's a philosophy to doing it because you can do all of that get there and then you can just apologize and then everybody forgets about it. And now you're at the top, you have the money and now you're a better person, but I have no interest in doing it that way. 
Hey guys, Marlon Johnson here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. We'll get back to it in just a moment. First, I want to say thank you for your continued support. And I'm happy to share with you that we've relaunched MMC. MMC is the millionaire mindset community. If you love these thought-provoking conversations, then you need to be a part of MMC and get in the room with other like-minded entrepreneurs. MMC is a private group where we connect daily to work on ourselves and our businesses. We have daily Zoom calls with other entrepreneurs who are setting goals, collaborating, and doing business together, plus a weekly coaching call from either myself, other coaches, or special guests. Also, being a part of MMC allows you early access to podcasts like this before they air, as well as behind-the-scenes conversation that my guests share. Because I want to make joining MMC a no-brainer, I'm offering listeners a seven-day trial for just $1 by going to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com. Go to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com, and when you register, you'll be able to do a seven-day trial for just $1. And if you don't get value from being in the room with the right people, you can cancel your membership on the sixth day. So what do you have to lose? Go to mmc.mindsetmarlin.com right now and register. Don't wait any longer to change your life. I'll see you in the room. Now back to the episode. So, I, you know what? And Braxton, I love that. I, I really appreciate that and love that about you because I can feel that energy from you. And I've been lucky enough to have mentors in my life who have shown me what that looks like, exactly what you just described, the pyramid building that it is an effective way and it's an efficient way. And that when you do get there, you're absolutely right. There's no looking over your shoulder. There's no concern about, hey, who did I have to tear down? Who do I have to remember to go back to and apologize? And that's just, you're absolutely right. Like that's a topic, that's a conversation we can dive into for two, three hours alone. So you separate from bang. You have this amazing experience, eye-opening. It shows you, like you said, a new world because that happens when you get exposure to things that you weren't seeing before that you weren't aware of. It really rewires the mind. So as the separation began to happen and you started to step back into your own lane more so, where did you go from there? Yeah, so... At that same time, like whenever I was leaving, that's like I said, Bang was letting me have booths next to them. I was meeting all these influence, you know, Bang is hiring these people who are famous and they're becoming my friends. And so I was learning about them and <laughs> creating a relationship with them. And I started an agency because I was helping these people. They were like, man, I've always wanted to work with this company. I've always wanted to start a business. Like, well, how did you do yours? So I started helping these people and serving these people and um, that's kind of where the agency came into place is I was helping people grow their social media, helping them get brand deals, helping them build websites, launch their own products, all these different things. And so I was connecting with people and brands and all this different stuff. And that was one thing. So I kind of was like, not even meaning to, I just at one point was charging people because they were like, how much do you charge? I'm like, I have no idea. I was just helping people. <laughs> um, that turned into a business, which I still run today, um, but I'm phasing out of, but the, then I was promoting my clothing. I was doing events. We were doing well. I've got these big pages, big influencers who are posting my things. So I was really rocking with my clothing company, doing the agency stuff kind of on the side. And because of my clothing company not just being about clothing, it was it was talking about defining your vision for your life, your definition of success. That was getting me, you know, people promoting it, not even because of the clothes. And then I started getting asked to like speak at like middle schools, high schools, and talk to different people's businesses or 
talk to somebody's kid, you know, doing different stuff. Like people just wanted me to to talk to people about it. And that ended up leading into another business that I have now. So yeah, let's let's dive into that because this is cool. And I think this is the natural cause of when you go out and you seriously are interested in serving you naturally start to find opportunities. Sometimes people are like looking so hard to like try and figure out the opportunity. And the opportunity is help the next person achieve their goals. If you focus on helping the next person build their wealth, build their life, build their following, build their business, you're naturally going to be in demand. And I love that. Like that's how your digital marketing company started. Like you were able to just help other people who are naturally in your network and in your influence grow. And then from there, you start speaking to the schools, you start speaking to the middle school. And I believe that's where this company like, starts to, to get birthed. So let's dive into that story because I love these bracelets, by the way, man. I was just in New York um, and I was excited to go home to New York to go gift these bracelets to a few really close friends of mine. Love that, man. I love that. Yeah, so the shorter shorter version is, um, you know, I'm speaking to these schools. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like 20, 21. You know, I'm, I'm, I think I might have been 21. I was speaking a little bit before this part of the story. So it, it happened a little bit before that. So I started speaking when I was like 20, 21. And, uh, you know, so I'm like almost these kids' age when I'm talking about high schools, you know, <laughs> like I'm like almost there. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I'd probably spoken maybe like 10, 12 schools by this point. I had the opportunity to go speak at a middle school. And I finally kind of felt like I knew what I was doing. You know, like I was like, all right, I, I kind of done this. <laughs> I'm like, feel good. Well, then my girlfriend and my best friend were like, hey, we're not going to be able to come with you this time. So I'm like, damn, okay. So like, I got to go by myself. And there's like 12, 1,500 kids, something like that, whatever. Um, uh, there was a bunch of floods down in Houston. Me and my buddy went and took boats down with some of our friends, were like helping with all the flood stuff down there. And this was like the day before the speech. Well, the principal calls me and she's like, hey, Braxton, like, so excited that you're coming tomorrow. She's like, I just want to tell you like what some of these kids are going through. So, you know, you really know who you're speaking to tomorrow. And I'm like, cool, you know, yes, ma'am. Like, hit me with it. And I had a knot in my throat the whole time this lady was talking. She's just saying things to me like, don't get me wrong, bro. I've been through things in my life, but like just listening like back to back to back, like what these kids are going through in a middle school. And so for me, man, I, you know, she gets done talking and I said, yes, man, like I'll see you tomorrow and hang up. My best friend was right next to me. And I was like, bro, like I wrote the wrong speech. And I'm like, hey, you're not coming with me. And my girlfriend's not coming with me. Like now I'm like kind of freaking out. I'm like, bro, I have to be there tomorrow. And we're like far away too. <laughs> so I told him, I was like, look, bro, you have to drive home. It's like an eight hour drive. So I was like, you got to drive home. Like I got to write a new speech. And we're in a truck. So we found a notebook in there. And I rewrote a whole speech, just like, honestly, random stuff out of my head. But what I felt like would be more valuable than what I was going to give them. Because what I was going to go in and I was going to talk about vision, the definition of success. Like, it was a very, like, motivational video type of thing, which is not bad. Right? But after hearing that, I was like, bro, they could have picked literally anybody to talk to these kids. And they chose to pay me. Like, this is a responsibility. So I rewrote a whole new speech. But I had a label printer because I had my clothing company and I decided to print out these little stickers and the stickers said, I believe in you. And drove to the school, had the staff hand the sticker to the kids like as they came to the door. Had to hold the red notebook 
that I wrote the speech in and the microphone to get the speech. Because honestly, I didn't have to memorize. I just wrote it. So you can literally hear me turning pages while I'm talking. <laughs> Not professional at all. After I like the stone, like I was about to show up to this one, like ready to go. I like had a game for him, playing everything. Flipped the script completely. And now I'm like this guy holding a microphone trying to change pages. I'm nervous. But I gave this whole speech and uh, it went really well. And the kids, I told them at the end, I was like, hey, that sticker that I gave to you is not yours. I was like, you can take it, you can trade it with the person next to you. You can give it to one of your teachers. You can go home, give it to your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, brother, sister, your neighbor, or don't give it to the mailman. But take that message that I gave to you guys today, like go give it to somebody else. And that was kind of it. Like that, that was just, that was that. And, uh, you know, I took pictures with some kids, ended up going to lunch with them and stuff, which was cool. Um, which is cool now. I've had some of these kids reach out to me because they're obviously older now. Um, but basically, the principal calls me back a few days later. She's like, Braxton, these kids will be a nicer teacher in the hallways, nicer to our staff. We got people in the community asking, what the hell are these little stickers? Got family, like families calling and like asking like about the sticker and saying they were giving them just all these stories coming in. And for me, bro, instantly it was like, I thought in my head, I was like, man, every middle school needs that. But I care about fashion, right? I was like, it can't be on an ugly ass sticker. It's got to be on something <laughs> cool. And I always wore bracelets and stuff. And uh, I was like, man, every middle school needs that. Man, every high school needs that. Man, all kids need that. And then I'm thinking about the stories and it's like old people, young people, everything. And I'm like, human beings need that. Just like everybody needs that. And uh, decided to turn it into a company. At first, the sticker said Vision Company Apparel on the bottom, but I was like, no, it's got to be a whole other thing. And that's where it was born. Bro, I love that story. And this is my first time getting to hear that. So <laughs> I'm just like, holy moly, like that is cool. I mean, like, because that's got to be, a really surreal moment when you get that phone call and she's just like dude what did you do to this town like these kids are you know you caused a shift like you created a tidal wave and it's just it's spreading it's spreading it's spreading so you decide you're going to put it on the bracelets by the way the bracelets are sick like I, I absolutely love these bracelets and it's not even that long ago that you put a chip inside of these and now they're interacting with an app can we talk about that because the app is freaking dope. Yeah. So I actually, in the first 16,000 bracelets we made, the first one I made, I put chips on. So I had the idea for that when I was 21 years old, so like seven years ago. So they were there and I launched it, but, and then all the chips were written, coded, everything, ready for the same thing that you've been able to see now, at least the MVP version. That was ready to go then. I just couldn't afford the mobile app to connect to it. And that's why it ended up getting paused. But now we're here. So, so let's talk about it. For the people that are like, man, what are they talking about? These guys are talking about chips and bracelets. Like they're probably thinking like we're tracking them. Like what, what is the chip in the bracelet? Like what is the mobile app? Because I think this is like the cool, like when you were standing in front of the room, Braxton, and you mentioned like what this project was and what I believe in you is. And I was just like, I need to go talk to that dude. Like as soon as like the room quieted down, I'm like, I got to go and find this guy and like connect with him. Like, this is so rad. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. So yeah, so first off, there's zero tracking capability, zero. And if you can imagine seven years ago, 
when I told people there was chips in it, like now we got like Apple Pay, QR codes, like people were like, oh, we can track anyway. You can track my car, my phone. But back then people were like, for real, like no way. <laughs> you tracking my kids? I'm like, no. Like it's a digital communication chip. There's no trackability. It's an antenna. It doesn't need to be charged. You can't do anything unless you have something that speaks to it. And that doesn't track either. But anyway, let me let me give the concept. So <laughs> basically, our bracelets are all worn with the intention to give them away to somebody else. And so especially if somebody's just listening to this, all the bracelets on one of the sides, they're reversible, say, I believe in you. So on every bracelet, they all say, I believe in you. And so the purpose of them is that you wear them with the intention to give them away to somebody else, whether that's positive, negative, anything in between. It's about taking that moment and being able to, to give love, kindness, support, belief to somebody else. And it's just a bracelet that you can rock. It's fashionable, like I said, and nobody knows how powerful it is because it just looks like a cool bracelet right now. But you can, when you take it off, it changes forms, you know? And so that's, that's the purpose of the bracelet, like at its core, which I think is pretty cool, right? Cool bracelets that have a purpose, you pass them on. But I was noticing that I was getting all the emails, all the phone calls, all the text messages, all the pictures sent to me, all the stories told to me in person about this. And I was like, how can everybody else see that? Because now, like you said, that tidal wave that went in this little town, I got to see that. I got to feel that. I got to feel the knot in my throat and the all these things in my body from these little stickers being handed out. I was like, man, I like small acts of kindness are powerful. And I want everybody else to be able to see that. I know that everybody actually holds that power. Like everybody holds that power. I was like, so there's gotta be a way to document it. I was like, it can't be like some janky website or you gotta type a bunch of numbers in, uh, like geocaching or like any of those old school things that we used to do, but um so i was researching like these event bracelets all this stuff and basically I, when i found the info communication we found a way to make every single info communication chip have a completely different unique id code that was attached to that one bracelet that it was put in so now that we have that what well, we now we had to build an app around the purpose to whereas now you know as it was whenever i was with you Whenever you take that bracelet off and give it to somebody, they can touch their phone to their wrist and document that moment of them receiving it. So they can do that in that moment or they can do it later. But you guys could take a picture together, a video together, pretty much just like an Instagram post. You can put a picture or a video and instead of a caption, it's the story, right? Of, of how you received it and from who. And you can also leave a message for the person to get it next. And so it allows you to capture that moment of you receiving the bracelet. And once you do that, now it documents it in the app. It'll show the date. You can add the location if you want to, right? It doesn't track you. And it'll show that like Braxton gave it to whoever. And once that's documented, you'd also be able to see who gave it to me, who gave it to them, all the way back to the first person that had it. So you can see all the moments, all the stories of how this bracelet traveled and why and all these people that it went through to get to you. And then once you give it away, you will be able to watch the cities and the countries that it goes to and the story and the people that it touches. And you can see the whole storyline of one bracelet that's all powered by small acts of kindness. 
man i love it and the app is seamless i was playing inside the app today and i was like dude like sometimes people make an app and it's janky it's slow it's like you're like all right this is kind of glitchy it's a cool idea but like it's not quite there yet and the app i was like dude this thing is flowing as easy as like instagram slides it's to me it's like it has so much to be done like in the next like two months you're gonna be like blown away but I will tell you, like, this is a feature that hasn't opened yet, which I don't know if you can see it, but can you see there's been 507 bands, been to 88 cities, eight countries, and impacted 285 people? Dude, let's go. Are you able to see every story from all around the world? Everybody's impacted. Dude, I love that. That's sick. Because I was scrolling through it today, and I was just scrolling, like, left and right, but it didn't have that, like, news feed, like, feature. That's going to be insane. There's going to be so, some cool Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for this, man. And like, you know, this was such a, what I love is it's a business that is, I call it like a, there's, we have for-profit business, we have non-profit businesses, and then we have for purpose. And I looked at this and I was like, yo, this is a for-purpose business. This is something that truly is going to touch people and it's really going to impact people. And I'm just excited that I even have a bracelet that I get to share these and I get to be a part of this at like, it feels like an early stage. Like this is based off of like what I see happening for this company. I'm like this, I feel like I'm getting it at literally like the ground floor. Like this is insane. You are, bro. This is, this is the very, very beginning. We haven't even started marketing yet. This product, the, the app that you just complimented, which thank you, because that took a lot of time. <laughs> effort a lot of money but what it's gonna be what we're gonna do like when we actually turn this thing on is like it's way bigger than me it's way bigger than me and it's gonna be cool i mean you just saw me scroll through like we just been letting people be like in the wild with it and we haven't even put all the features in or anything and like people are still impacting people every day you know and, and i'm curious to know you know, you were, you were a part of like a company like Bang when they were getting started and you got to see what they did in order to grow. Did you grab any inspiration from the tactics that they used? Or, you know, you also, you yourself, you run a digital marketing company, you have an agency, you help other people grow. Like, I'm just scared. Like, can, can you share like what the plans are to grow it yet? Or is that still like kind of top secret hush hush? I can definitely share some stuff, man. I mean, at the end of the day, so I, so I launched this when I was 21, 20, 21, somewhere. I gotta, I'm going to have to look at the dates. I don't even know how old I am. I'm 27. But I was like 10 months into launching it the first time because I had thousands of people who were like waiting on the app. And I thought like I would just like get an investor. I would sell a bunch of bracelets like then I would just pay for the app. Even if I had the money, dude, I don't know if I could have got it done right. Cause I just didn't have the acumen, the capital, like the, just, I wasn't, well, I needed to be, be a, the leader of what this thing really is going to be. So I paused it then, but I learned a lot of things. Um, you know, I think within my clothing company, working with Bang, and at this point I've worked with probably like 700 plus other companies through consulting and in my agency and stuff. So I have a lot of experience now uh, but it's pretty similar to back then, man, of what, what I'm going to do. I mean, we're going to run a paid ad strategy, obviously. Um, but this thing, we haven't marketed for, we, we've marketed for like three weeks just to do the pre-sales. We stop marketing then and we make sales every single day. No social media posts, nothing. 
and because people are giving them away. So we're making sales every day and we're not doing anything. So for one, the product, every person who becomes a customer becomes a salesperson. And what we call is they become a wave maker. They're helping us make these waves of positivity in the world. And so that's going to be a big driver is like just literally having every human being who has one, knowing that they've got a responsibility to be able to go and make an impact. So that's, that's one of the pieces. Obviously, our content is going to be able to go viral. Um, working with big influencers and collaborating with businesses. One of the things we want to do is find these purpose-driven businesses, whether they're like impact-centric or not, but who have like very purpose-driven leaders and things like that partnering and doing collaborations with them. We're going to do a lot of give back, um, partner with these influencers who are in alignment with us, running a paid ad strategy, building a massive affiliate program of wave makers, people that just want to make the world better. I don't care if you got five followers or 5 million, having just a massive community of those people sharing it and uh, make really cool ass videos of all the cool stuff that's happening and let it speak for itself. That's it. Bro, you have such an abundance mindset. And I love it because it's also from a business standpoint, strategically, it makes a lot of sense. And I love seeing this sort of business strategy and this sort of business mindset where people come and recognize the best business strategy truly is give more value. That's really the number one thing. If we focus on giving more value and we understand how to do that systematically and sustainably, you can, your company will continue to grow. And this is all about providing value. So I absolutely love that. Yo, Braxton, I want to be very, very conscious of your time. You know, I want to be respectful of your time. And first off, let me say thank you so much for coming on the show here today. Thank you for sharing your energy. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for sharing this bracelet with me. Like I'm insanely, insanely grateful to have you here. I want to know there's three questions I like to ask at the end of every show. The first one is I personally do read a lot of books. Like books have helped me expand my mind. It's opened me up into new ways of thinking, helped break me out of the, the old life I was living. So I'm a huge, huge fan. And I want to know for you, was there ever a book or maybe it was a video or a movie, something that inspired you that you hold on to that you want to mention that you're like, hey, you know what? Everyone should go take a look at this. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you... My favorite movie is Never Back Down. That one, just out of the gate, you want to just get motivated and get your ass up and go do something and get the girl watch Never Back Down. Book-wise, I would say like maybe my all-time favorite is The Alchemist. Um, I really like that book. <laughs> Am I hit target too? There, yo, me and you, like, yo, we're homies, bro. We like, yeah. <laughs> like you, you named my favorite movie. And you just like named the book I listened to after my car got broken into when I was driving cross country and all my stuff got stolen. Like immediately as I come back to a car that has nothing in it, I'm like, you know what I need to do right now? Listen to The Alchemist. Yeah. So The Alchemist is a good one. And then honestly, I'm a massive Alex Mosey fan from just like business strategy side of things. I really like his book, $100 million offers. That's yep. come out with 100 on leads in like 10 days. I'm ready, but I'm gonna read that. But I would think those are those are like the the books for me. If I was gonna give a couple. Yo, I absolutely love this. All right. My next question for you is really simple. It's I want you to imagine, Braxton, that tomorrow morning you wake up and as you're opening your eyes, as you're coming to consciousness, you don't have any memories. You don't have any recollection. You don't remember starting the brand. You don't remember the bracelets, the vision. You don't remember 
working with bang you don't remember football i mean you're a total blank slate you're not freaking out this isn't a saw movie so you're not scared or worried about your life or anything crazy like that just as you are coming to a thought begins to come to your mind and for whatever reason when this thought comes to you you have no resistance towards it. You fully accept it. You take it 100% on faith and it gets locked in there. And this thought begins the foundation of everything else to come into your life, every other thought to come. What would you ideally prefer for this first thought to be? Maybe like, what and who do I love? Like finding what and who I love because once I find those things, I'd probably naturally end up right back where I am now. Yeah, I love that. And that hits home for so many reasons right now that I don't even have the time to jump into. I love that answer. That's the first time I've gotten that answer on this uh, with that question. So yeah, you have me thinking of like a number of avenues. I've never been asked that question. So I, I would, I'm going to go listen to your episodes just to see what people said. <laughs> Dude, just so you know, like I plan on putting a book together in the future with everyone's answers. Think like uh, Tim Ferriss's Tools for Titans. I plan on just taking all the answers I've gotten from that question. It's one of my favorite questions to ask. So my final thing, Braxton, that I want to know is for the people that are that have listened to this, they've been tuned in for the hour. They're like, yo, I like this dude, Braxton. His energy is amazing. The vision, the the purpose. I want to get connected with him. Where's the best place for people to go to get connected with you? Like, how should people go and connect and plug in with you? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably just my Instagram, just at Braxton Kilgo. So y'all, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make it super easy for you. Go down into the show notes, go into the description. There's going to be a link right there to Braxton's page. I'm going to put that there. I'm also going to put his link tree inside there as well. So you can be a part of everything that he has going on. Trust me when I say this is someone you want to connect with. And if you're in Arizona, go and like find this man, like just so you could go and be in his presence. I'm telling you, there are certain people that when you, you stand around, there's an energy, there's an energy that radiates off of you. And it's just, it's integrity, man. You're, you're chuck full of it. I truly mean that. And I don't get to say that about a lot of people. So I'm grateful that I get to say that about you. It really is an honor just to be able to share a space with you. So thank you for the work that you put into yourself. Thank you for the hours of just discipline, the hours of focus that you put in that go that people don't see you doing, but you do that. So you can show up to those rooms and create those sort of waves that you do. So Braxton, Again, thank you for being here on the show, man. And I look forward to having you back for a part two. Yeah, likewise, man. Dude, I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate it. I think we've created a pretty cool relationship in an in a extremely short time. I only met him once. Um, so I'm really glad to be here. And um, one thing I just felt called to say really quick, so I'm going to say is there's probably one person that's going to really appreciate this. And I don't know why, but it kept coming up is I want to leave some encouragement for somebody that if they they're still listening right now one thing that I think is a big piece of my success is the belief that I have in myself and and in others which I believe in giving gives back so when you give belief to other people is a powerful thing but if you can have a massive level of conviction in your ability even if it seems delusional or crazy it's everything and so I always talk to people about like if you have little belief you take little action and then you get little results and you reconfirm with yourself you couldn't do it. And that's going to just send you down a road you don't want to be on. 
But if you can literally just have like massive self-belief, you're going to take like massive, crazy, wild, risky lanes. That's the only way hell you'll ever get massive results. So if you listen to this, you're, you're in a space, you're trying to figure it out. Like a big thing for you might just be like being your biggest cheerleader and like just having a massive level of self-belief that you are capable of everything that you want to achieve. So I hope that little shift can maybe help somebody. I know it can. And guys, what I want you to do, re like literally rewind and listen to that last minute and a half over and over and over again, because exactly what Braxton just said, that is a game changer. That's ultimately what helped me in my career. That's what helped me grow as a real estate investor. That's what helped me grow as a high performance coach. And it's what's continuing to help me grow in every aspect of my life. So Braxton, seriously, thank you for sharing that. Sir, happy to be here, man. Guys, make sure that if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you're new here, we'll be back next week for another episode of Into the Mind. Peace out, guys.